Good morning on this April 20th, 2021. This episode is called Don't Be Deceived. God is not mocked. A person reaps what they sow. Once again, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. A person reaps what they sow. That's from Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. All right, let's just start out here. Now, we're intelligent to know what don't be deceived means. And we're intelligent enough to know what God is not mocked as saying. But for many, what does a person reach what they sell mean? All right, well, think of a farmer who plants some seeds in the ground. Let's say it's cucumbers. What's gonna grow? Isn't it cucumbers? Why? Well, he planted the seeds he wanted. Now, in life, if we sow the wrong things, you know, if we plant it, okay, in life, if we plant with this sow, if if we plant the wrong things, we will eventually harvest, which is reap. The wrongs we planted a while ago. And you don't want that. Folks who have invoked the name of Christ in a situation that was already sinful before they even started will reap some sort of punishment for their actions. Why? Well, if you go back to the, excuse me, the second commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 7 from the complete Jewish Bible. You are not to use lightly the name of Adonai, your God, because Adonai will not leave unpunished someone who uses his name lightly. You may think that's old, but that's still, <laughs> it's still adding up. If you've been using God's name as a curse, he's keeping a record of it. So just because the old commandment doesn't mean forgotten about. Now, when we speak of life, we're not talking about natural farming. We're talking about the road that they choose to take and the decisions they choose to make. Now, it's better enough making a wrong decision, isn't it? It's better enough making a wrong decision. But when you put the Lord's name in it, that's really bad. Now that's where people were either gonna say, well, the Lord told me. Gotta watch out for those people who are saying the Lord told me. That's what people say, oh, the Lord told me. Or they want God to bless mess. God's not gonna bless mess. Excuse me, for example, if they want revenge on someone, they might say, Lord, strike them dead. Lord, strike them dead. Or, I hope God sends you to hell. I ain't no way for nobody to talk. The Lord is into saving lives, not destroying them. Now, there's quite a few ways we can go where don't be deceived. Okay, here's a few ways we can go. Don't be deceived. Every preacher is not a messenger of light. 
Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 12 to 15, from the NIV. And I, Paul, will keep doing what I am doing to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. All such people are false apostles, deceitful workers masquerading as apostles of light. See, so you can't believe everybody. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. The end will be what the actions deserve. Ah, oh, preachers will just start preaching this stuff again. Stop being so scared that they're going to lose money, lose the congregation. You know, they have, this is in the Word. You can't do anything. There's, there's a lot of things in the Word that Christ said, that Paul said, and they're not all roses and warm fuzzies and tulips. Some of the things are really rough, but you have to tell them. You can't skip over them. Now, I'm going to read this again. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 12 to 15. This is NIV. And I, Paul, will keep doing what I am doing to cut the ground for under those who want opportunities be considered equal with us. Excuse me. Equal us in the things that they boast about. All such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading around as apostles of Christ. Then he goes on to say, and no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. The end will be what their actions deserve. Alright? Here's another example. Do not be deceived. Every action has a consequence. Just read Galatians 6 and 7 again. Don't be deceived. God does not mock. A person is going to reap what they sow. So every action a person does has a consequence. That's something we need to tell our children. So it's something that should be preached and taught over the pulpit or in, in person, one-on-one. Everything you do has a consequence. Don't think you do something and, and there's no consequence to it. Something's going to happen. Whether good or bad. Let me just throw this in. I didn't plan on saying this. But I think this is the first full day that uh, this trial of Derek, Derek Chauvin is going into deliberations. <clears throat> and I'm saying, now I don't know what's going to happen as far as details go. But I think no matter what happens, there's gonna be trouble. No matter what happens, people are not gonna be satisfied. 
because when they were talking about his, the charges, I didn't see first degree murder up there. I saw second degree manslaughter and third degree. Now second degree has a sentence of 40 years, 40. So, well, even if he gets that, I know black people are not gonna be satisfied. So expect uh, protests, expect right, no matter what happens, no matter what, whether it's second, manslaughter, third degree, or even first degree, something's gonna happen. I just wanted to throw it in there. Now let's get back to don't be deceived. That, see that, what I said kind of goes with every action has a consequence. So people better think about what they do before they do it. On either side. They know what they're doing before they do it. <clears throat> Alright, third example of don't be deceived. Now, even though new wine belongs in new wineskins, meaning that as generations come and go, we have to stay relevant to the culture. But that does not mean that we compromise the Word of God under no circumstances. As a matter of fact, younger people might not like this verse. This is Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16 from the NIV. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient past. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. <clears throat> and he said, why did I say young people might not watch this verse? Because they want everything new. They want everything to be fresh. But God's taking people back to say, walk in the ancient past, where the good way is. And you know, most young people don't like anything old. But he's saying, after the old ways. Now, meaning the old ways, I ain't talking about the law. All right? Ancient bad, I'm talking about what's good, like the second part says. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. So, is that all right? Walk in it. Is there a good walk in it? There's not going to be any new, uh, how can I say it? foretold uh, revelations. Jesus came, that was it. Everything now is written down, it's in the Bible. Nothing of news coming along unless it's a revelation. But as far as anything written, it's done. The Bible is finished. And he said, after all ancient paths, after the good way is, work in it. And you'll find rest for your souls. And what did Jesus say in Matthew 11? You're going to find rest for your souls if you come to him. Come to me all uh, that labor and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. But now at the end of this, Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16 says, But you said, we will not walk in it. See, a lot of people today, they refuse to walk in the ways of the Lord on purpose. They said, we're not going to walk in it. We're not going to do it. We're going to do our own thing. And you see what the own thing has gotten us these last thousands of years hasn't gotten us very 
far in a good sense. <clears throat> yeah, there's pockets of good around, of course. But as far as is the world following the Lord? No. Alright, while it's imperative to reach the younger generation with the gospel on a level that they can understand, someone I know brought up a very important question. Now, it's been said over, over and over again to reach the younger generation, you have to give them what they like. The person's question was simple. It was, and how do we do that? Sounds simple, right? When you, when you say, give them what they like, that sounds simple. But in the spiritual sense, she's saying, why do you do that? Well, we just wind up saying, well, present Jesus on the level. That still doesn't answer the question. Now, let me explain what has happened, both good and bad, with that idea. The idea of giving them people what they want. All right, here's the good first. Here's the good things that have come come from being relevant. Many young people have been coming to Christ, depending on what area of the country or the world they're from. But you're only gonna get that kind of news from hardcore Christian news sources, not the mainstream media. Because most of them could care less. <clears throat> so, that means somewhere in, on this vast planet, young people are hearing and accepting the gospel. Praise God. Number two, there are young people's Bible studies all over the country and the world, as well as prayer teams praying for different things that don't involve selfishness. Yeah, young people on prayer teams and they're praying up a storm. And they're praying for the togetherness of the world, of the country. Now for the bad. <clears throat> so what's bad about giving the young people what they want on their level? Okay. Number one. Some of the youth pastors preaching to these young folks having been sent by God in the spiritual sense of the word. And on top of that, they haven't been taught in the word by anybody who knows something about the Bible. A lot of times they're guessing. Number two, in giving the younger folks what they want, like concerts filled with techno lighting, dark rooms, Loud music going with 50 guitars playing, and then 15 minutes of an uninspired word by the youth pastor. Instead of growing more mature in the Lord, this becomes a comfortable trench that they stay in. The supernatural power of God won't come in because the atmosphere is too fussy. Now, don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong with having guitars and other instruments and comes music. Just read Psalms 150. But when they become the main reason for a person goes to a gospel concert, they've missed the point. At that point, 
all the wrong doctrine is being taught and accepted as truth, such as the doctrine of inclusion, aka universalism, the doctrine of ultra grace, the doctrine of all worlds lead to heaven. I think I got some more. The doctrine of there are no absolutes and the belief that you are whatever you say you are. In other words, no more gender. You know, I think I kind of understand <laughs> that this man was kind of probably being sarcastic. He was 69 and he said he wants to be known as being 49 because this is the age where whatever you say you are, that's what you are. I thought he was doing it, you know, to be on their side, but maybe he was doing it to be sarcastic. So, no, so also, if a person says, well, I'm a gazelle, does that mean they're a gazelle? All right, then feed them nothing but grass from now on. And some grass and some weeds, you know, some dead lions to chew on. They say they're a gazelle. So the belief that you are whatever you say you are, in other words, no more gender now. Gender is very old. Even even way back in the book of Bible, well, you wouldn't know, but it doesn't say. But one of the churches, uh, I almost say the churches, the church, but in that town, the city, where this church was, I forgot which one, they, uh, the pagan, people would castrate the men priests so that they could have a third gender. So you have the male, the female, and I guess the male had his stuff cut off. So you have a third gender. So uh, another gender is nothing new. Remember, God does things in a circle. It always comes back to it. History repeats itself. So there's nothing new under the sun. I think it's what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 1 and 9. There's nothing new in that. What has been, has been already. And certain things are going to repeat themselves. And right now, in the age now where, oh, there's no more gender, you, you are whatever you say you are. You're okay. Please, give me a break. <clears throat> so, those are the good and bad consequences of bringing the gospel to the younger generation. Much prayer is obviously needed so that God will send teachers to teach leaders who in turn can teach the young. Paul instructed young Pastor Timothy on how to teach his congregation. Timothy got his instruction and learning from Paul who was older. Now, a 25 year old person, let's say, a 25 year old it's more likely to listen to a 32-year-old pastor who's closest to the age than he is a 65-year-old who can't relate too good to a 25-year-old. Come on, I know I got more. It's not their job, the 65-year-old, it's not their job to instruct the 32-year-old pastor. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to take that back. It is their job to instruct the 32-year-old pastor. In 
and now be a cool grandpa who tries to relate but knows no Bible. Now, to show you how spiritually illiterate some preachers have become, whether they're young, middle-aged, or old, I'm not doing this to pick on anyone because this is more sad than it is humorous. A preacher was getting ready to preach and he asked everyone to turn in their Bibles to Nebuchadnezzar chapter 4. And there were actually some preachers who went to the table of contents to look for it. Well, guess what? That speaking preacher, he knew it didn't exist. And yet there are preachers that didn't know that there is no book in the Bible called Nebuchadnezzar. See, you can get a laugh over that, but uh, that's pretty sad. Now, do you want someone teaching you anything from anywhere that they don't even study? Well, don't accept just anything from the lips of a preacher or teacher without examining things for yourself. And if after examining for yourself, you're still confused, go to someone who can correctly answer your lingering question. All right, so much for don't be deceived. Now let's go to God that's not mocked. Second Peter chapter three, verses three to seven. <clears throat> Most importantly, this Peter talking obviously. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come. What's a scoffer? A mocker, mocking the truth following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They're being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. I just can't help thinking. Excuse me a second. I gotta stop here a second. That's a chair creaking. I just can't believe in these last days, preachers are ignoring, ignoring so much of the scriptures. You know, as I read these scriptures, even as I'm reading them now. As I read these scriptures, do we really see how serious salvation is? That it's not all about jumping and, and jumping around, swaying from chandeliers and bumping into walls and talking about how, of course you would talk about how love it, but thinking that you have to spend 24 hours a day in the spirit of God all wrapped up in it. Now, there's other things that are written in his word that are just as important. 
That's why I said, if all this stuff is in here, it can't all be about one thing. It has to be about something else. And, and you feel that as a teacher, you feel that you have to remind people, hey, this is in the Bible too. Don't leave this stuff out. It's nice to talk about his spirit touching you and his love. and It's nice to talk about all that stuff. But we can't forget all the rest of it. And we figure if we don't read it and don't study it, God's not going to bring it to my attention. Oh, yes, he is. Why wouldn't he? It's in there. I'm not necessarily talking about the law either. Because anything that has to do with commandments, they still stand. Yeah, there's certain rituals we don't do in the Walker's Christ game. But as far as the moral law, you know, how you're supposed to behave, that doesn't change from one testament to the other. Here, this from Malachi, chapter 3. Verses 14 and 15 of the NIV. God said, You have said it is futile to serve the Lord. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call it arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper. And even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. God's saying that's what people have said. That's what the priests had said back then when they wasn't acting right. And that's what people say today. I feel to serve, to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about and wonders before the Lord Almighty? <clears throat> well, you gain everlasting life for one thing. And you help somebody come out of darkness for another thing. You saying, but now we call it arrogant blessing. It seems like people who are arrogant are getting away with stuff. He says, evildoers prosper. It seems like they're getting away with stuff. And then they tempt God, put them to the test, and they seem to get away with it. Listen, remember, God is not mocked. They're not getting away with it. It seems like it to us, or to certain people, that uh, evildoers are prospering. They're always going to get certain things, and I'm struggling all the time. I don't get nothing. And they get everything. That's because what they get, that's the reward. That's it. That's all they're going to get. Then they don't get a general life like you. You have the, you're not option, but you have the ability to get blessed in this life in the next. They only can get blessed maybe in this life. <clears throat> and the person's even saying when they put God to their test, they get away with it. For now. It seems like they're getting away with it for now. But even before they die, something may happen. It doesn't have to wait until the hereafter. Something can happen to them before that. They get a big fancy house and want everybody to look at it. Oh, look at my big house. And, and the next night, it goes up in flames. Well, you know, well, God doesn't have to wait till you die. He can, do, he can take care of stuff right now. You put your faith in the wrong thing. 
then you got people who mock at all this stuff. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 9 from the New King James says, Fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is favor. See? If you're mocking at sin, you're a fool. Because there ain't nothing funny about sin. And there ain't nothing funny about committing it. And worse yet, having a good time doing it. But among the upright, there's favor. God's going to take care of the upright. Yes, he is. Excuse me. Now, in the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, celebration, the Holy Spirit fell on the approximately 120 persons in the upper room. I've read that before. Then they began to speak in other languages, and the people from those regions understood what they were saying. Yet by the time we get to verse 13 of chapter 2, here's what it says. Acts chapter 2, verse 13 of the New King James. Others mocking said, Ah, they are full of new wine. You always got somebody who got to make fun of anything God does. And so it is today. Now, there was a court case going on. It was about 10 to 15 years ago. And the stenographer started speaking in tongues and then interpreted what she said. I don't remember all what she said. But the gist was that people better repent because the laws are coming back soon. The bailiff and others escorted her out of the courtroom. And when it was reported publicly, they said she was talking and would sound like babbling. They were more concerned about the tongues than the message. They mocked her, of course. Too many folks are hung up on tongues and ignore the English message. Tongues are part of the body of Christ, so they're important. But if we don't listen to the parts we can understand, what's a prophet? <clears throat> now, from reference scriptures, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 6 to 11. I'm not going to read it. I don't believe speaking in tongues means you're saved. Like I heard a preacher say once, how can I speak in tongues to God? <clears throat> how can I speak in tongues to God and then after service cut you out in the parking lot? And I say, well, good to speak in another language and no one there understands what you're saying. That's mainly what it talks about in 1 Corinthians 14, 6-11, which I just stated. Other languages are profitable in the region of town where the language is understood. That's Acts chapter 2. Well, yeah, it's Acts chapter 2. So in other words, you have a person who never learned the language, but they're in a foreign country, and the Spirit of the Lord touches them to say something in that language that they didn't learn. And there's going to be somebody close enough to hear them 
said, oh, I understood what you said. Did you, did you, did you used to study that language? And they said, no. That's what tongues are for. Now, if you'd be bad on the church, everybody's black and you're speaking in Japanese. Everybody's white and you're speaking in uh, Korean or something. No, that's not what it's for. Tongue, other, other languages are for edification to the non-believer. I think that's in chapter four, chapter 14, 1 Corinthians 2. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 39 to 40, the NLT says, So my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, and don't forbid speaking in tongues. But be sure that everything is done properly and in order. So you're not supposed to stop tongues. There's nothing wrong with it. Because sometimes there may be an interpretation behind it. And that's what you need to listen to. The interpretation. Don't just say, oh, she's deep. She spoke in tongues. No, don't go that way. Listen to the message, the interpretation afterwards. If there is one. <clears throat> Now, in the last part of the title, talks about whatever you sow, you shall reap. The New Age is called karma. But since New Age is part of Satan's repertoire, I'm not going to use that word. The principle is the same, but the Bible shows mercy. Satan's world doesn't. Here's Proverbs 26 and verse 27. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 27 in NLT. This last do is reaping what you sow. <clears throat> if you set a trap for others, you will get caught in it yourself. If you roll a boulder down on others, it will crush you instead. Here's another one. Even though David got forgiven for adultery and murder, the sword, which is trouble, would never leave his house. Thank you need to read 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 to 24, the whole story. It's Philippians chapter 3, verse 18 and 19 in the NIV. This is Paul talking. For I have told you before often, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They break about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. This world is fading away, people don't understand. Often I think about those who have died as a result of various reasons. You know, maybe they were gunned down by a rival gang or at the hands of the police or committed suicide because they didn't feel loved or because they were bullied or they died of cancer or some other debilitating disease or even natural causes. 
I wonder if they had a relationship with the Lord. Because only appointed unto man wants to die at the death of judgment. Now, once on the other side, you know, once you pass, there's no way of communicating with this side. So we don't know where their soul and spirit went. At so many funerals, people try to put the person in heaven no matter how they live. Here's a bit of advice. You might just want to talk to the living then and avoid the deceased's new home just to be on the safe side. Don't use those cliches like, oh, they're in a better place now. Oh, at least they're not suffering anymore. Don't, don't even say that. Don't talk about deceased. Try to cheer up the living. That's what you want to get. Yeah, <clears throat> don't play God. Romans chapter 2, verse 6 to 11 in the NIV. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who, who by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. First for this Jew, than for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. Now, <clears throat> back in the middle, where it says, those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Now, wrath is not reserved for his saints. So, if you're saved, in that section, don't put yourself in there. Because you don't get wrath. You get chastisement, but you don't get wrath. And <clears throat> I say before Jesus comes, by the time Jesus comes back, saints are not going to be self-seeking. And who rejects the truth? Except somebody who's not saved. And who's going to follow evil. Follow it constantly. Continually. Unless they're not saved. So that's where you got to take yourself out of the verse. If you're saved. And now remember we're still talking about. Reaping what you sow. So don't, don't ever take God for a sucker. A person will reap what they sell. We are all dealing with a God who cannot be mocked. If you believe in him, he can't be mocked. If you don't believe in him, he can't be mocked. If you haven't made up your mind as to whether he's real or not, he still can't be mocked. There's too much prophecy unraveling right now to think God is not real. You know, it's, it's not... If there was a God, things would not be so bad. It's, it's not that. It's simply reaping what humanity has sown 
for thousands of years. So what you see going on now, he's reaping what he's been sowing for thousands of years. Well, that's sin, that mankind, human humanity, or whatever you want me to say it, has been sowing for thousands of years, well, he's reaping it now. The unrest in the street, especially the unrest that's probably coming after this verdict is read. Uh, not to mention other unrest we've had in the streets. The police brutality, the injustices in the courts, the weather patterns, all these things that man has helped create the bad things. This is all coming to a head now. We're reaping what we sow. So, if you're saved, stay with God. Don't change your mind. Because you're going to have to be stronger now. I'm finding out. Really, how to get down to business. So, remember, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Persons are going to sow. A person is going to reap whatever they sow. God bless you.